So a three bet and then fold to a four bet is probably going to be my approach here. My standard play here is going to be to call. Uh, my normal action would be to uh, uh, three bet raise here. For all of those reasons, I would elect to call here. So I'm just gonna call. If this hand was offsuit, I would consider three betting. It's very dependent on how skilled you are. Greetings, everybody. This is Steve Fredland welcoming you to the Rec Poker Podcast, officially sponsored by Running Aces, Casino, and Racetrack. Now today, in addition to our recreational contributors, who are Derek Smith, Taylor Moss, and Doug Behrens, we have input from two of our professional partners, Chris Fox-Wallace, who is a World Series of Poker bracelet winner. He is with Next Level Poker, which is our official tour. And Jonathan Little, who many of you know is a great player and author. He is with PokerCoaching.com. Now, quick announcements. I uh, just want to invite you once again to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, leave a comment. All of that is super helpful as we try to grow our listener base. And also, if you have other feedback, topic suggestions, hand scenarios, whatever, get a hold of me on Facebook, Twitter, email stevefredland at gmail.com. However you'd like, just give me that information. That would be great. So today we're going to start a three-episode series looking at specific situations to try to give insight into how different players view these decisions, and then also asking questions about what would have to change in order for those players to change their action. The idea here is to start to understand the key factors in the decisions, but also when do those key factors actually start to outweigh other competing factors? Because as we know, almost every decision has factors that seem to lean toward folding, while others lean toward calling, while others lean toward betting or raising. And all of these factors work together somehow to make the decision. And so the idea behind this series is start to understand when do those factors or what has to change for one factor to start to outweigh other factors. So that's the idea behind the approach uh, for this week and for the coming weeks. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with the situation. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit runaces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. Okay, so let's dig into the situation. Before I do, I need to apologize for my voice. I'm a little bit rasp. Uh, I'm recording this just a few days after the Minnesota Vikings uh, pulled off of the miracle in Minneapolis uh, against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we were at Buffalo Wild Wings with a bunch of our, I guess about 100 of our closest friends now, <laughs> and celebrating. And so my voice is uh, a little bit off, so I apologize for that, but bear with me. So here is the hand situation and the questions that I ask people to respond to. So the situation is we have king-queen suited. Uh, we're at a 10-person table in the early stages of the tournament. The blinds are 300, 600 with a 100 ante. Everybody has 30,000 in chips, so 50 big blinds. And every player is a standard tight aggressive player. Now the action folds to the player in under the gun plus two, so basically middle position, and they raise to 1,600, so a little over 2.5x from the 600 big blind. 
and it folds to us and we are in the cutoff right before the button and we have king queen of hearts so the questions i asked of our recreational and professional players is this the goal is to have you give thoughts on what your standard action would be but then explore how some of the assumptions would have to change in order for you to actually change your action so please provide details and thoughts on why and how you would change your actions as each assumption changes independently. So for example, here's the questions. What is your typical course of action under these base assumptions? Then holding all else equal, how would the stack size of the initial raiser have to change for us to change our action? Holding all else equal, how would our stack size have to change for us to change our action? Holding all else equal, how would the stack sizes of those behind us on the button or in the blinds have to change for us to change our action? Holding all else equal, how would the player type of the initial player have to change for us to change our action? Holding all else equal, how would the player types of those behind us have to change for us to change our action? And finally, what other factors would drive us to potentially change our action? So with that, I'm gonna share my thoughts and then we'll hear from our recreational players and then later we'll hear from our experts. So here's my thoughts. We are fairly early in the tournament. We have 50 big blinds and we face a middle position raise from a tight aggressive player to just over two and a half times the big blind and we're holding king queen suited in the cutoff. Now with no other information, this is typically going to be a spot where I would three bet. Now there are certainly reasons to just call, but the reasons that I generally like to three bet here are this. First of all, if I just call, I invite the button and the blinds to call as well, thereby potentially realizing whatever equity that they have. I wanna chase out hands like ace 10, jack 10, three three, and maybe even hands like 10 nine suited, eight six suited, that would likely call if I also just called. If the button or blinds do get involved, I have a much narrower range for them following my three bet than I would if I had just called. Secondly, I want to take control of the hand. I want to see how the initial raiser responds to me, both in their action and in their physical mannerisms. And this would also allow me to see the flop, but also sets me up to see a free turn card should I opt for that. Because normally the initial raiser is going to check to me whether they hit or not after I three bet them pre-flop. Now certainly that's not always the case, but it does happen quite often where they relinquish control to me uh, post-flop. The third thing is I've been looking for spots to three bet more in my game. So the way that I've been playing personally, I want to try to balance my range. So I want to three bet um, with a wider range. If I'm only three betting with monsters like pocket queens, pocket kings, pocket aces, and ace king, then I'm way too easy to play against, considering I play against the same players quite often. So it's good for my opponents to see me three betting hands like king queen suited or pocket sevens or 10 nine suited. And this will also help me then get paid when I actually do have monsters. And the fourth reason is that I could just call and realize my equity, which is a good reason to call, but it is actually a hand that I'm willing to fold to a large four bet, knowing that at best I'm racing, but I'm likely in really bad shape against ace king, ace queen, or pocket aces through jacks. So uh, for me, it's a pretty easy three bet and then fold to a four bet. Uh, it's certainly very unlikely that I'd be ahead of anything in this spot. So, so a three bet and then fold to a four bet is probably going to be my approach here in the generic situation that was outlined. But now I consider those things that might change my action. In other words, what changes would drive me to fold or to call 
rather than to raise. So if I consider the initial raiser stack size, if that was bigger, that would really not change my decision at all, uh, assuming that mine is still the same size because the effective stack is still going to be 50 big blinds. I guess marginally them having a bigger stack would make them a little more likely to call my three bet and maybe four bet my three bet, but I think I'm still okay with the general approach of three bet and then folding to a four bet here. I'm assuming that they are a tag and not some sort of maniac uh, that would four bet me light. However, if the initial raiser stack size were smaller, I would be more inclined to just call or even fold. While I have some value in the rank of the cards, most of my value is really in the connectedness and their suitedness. And the reality is that if I quote unquote flop well, I'm rarely going to actually flop the straight or the flush. Instead, I'm hoping to flop a great draw, something like Jack-10-2 or something like Ace-7-3 with two hearts. These draws then set me up to shove my remaining stack in on a semi-bluff draw, and if I get called, there's a nice juicy pot if I can hit. But there's less likelihood I will get called because the deeper our stacks are, the more fold equity I would have. If the initial raiser goes to 2.5x out of a 10 big blind stack, they're not going to, going to fold if I raise. Or if they have 20 big blinds and decide to call my 3-bet to, uh, when I 3-bet to 6x, they would have to be pretty bad to fold to a continuation bet on the flop. So part of what I like about 3-betting king-queen of hearts in this spot is that I have deep implied odds. If I can get a board that cooperates uh, or even ultimately hit my hand, I'm basically staying in on a draw, which is not wise unless you have the right implied odds. And if my opponent is shorter stacked, then I don't really have those implied odds. So if my opponent is shorter, probably once they get down to about 25 big blinds, which is about half of my stack, I would be more inclined to call behind. This also helps me pick up implied odds by inviting the other players, the button and the blinds, to get involved, although it does heavily reduce the value of the rank of my king-queen. Now, if all opponents had 50 big blinds except for ours was now different, how would that change our approach? If I had more chips than my opponents, I would still 3-bet and actually feel better about it. I would 3-bet with the intention of folding to a 4-bet still, but would feel more confident about the move, and generally people fear 4-betting big stacks because they know it will result in getting all in. So if they 4-bet us, it's usually even a narrower range, like ace-ace, king-king, ace-king, and I can even more easily fold. On the other hand, if our stack was similar, or I'm sorry, on the other hand, if our stack was smaller, this could result in me being more prone to either calling, folding, or shoving. I would probably still three bet to six or seven times a big blind if I had 35 big blinds or more, somewhere in that range. But if I was around 25 to 35 big blinds, I would probably just call the two and a half X and see what happened with the button, the blinds, and then the flop. If I were in the 15 or under big blind category, this would be a good spot for me to three bet shove and hope for the best. I have a decent amount of equity against the open raiser's range if I'm called, but I also have a fair amount of fold equity here. So that leaves this weird range of 15 to 25 big blinds. It just feels like too much to shove and it feels like not enough to call or raise, so I might just fold here. And I'd love to hear people's thoughts on this, but um, I'm just not sure. Um, I, I do struggle in how to think about my action relative to my stack size. And frankly, when play is happening, I don't give it the thought it probably deserves like I do afterwards during the analysis side. Okay, let's go back to the original situation 
where the razor and I both have 50 big blinds. And we now ask the question about how the stack sizes of those behind us changes what we do. So what if the button and or the big blinds had smaller or bigger stacks? How would this change things? Well, if they had bigger stacks, it doesn't change much for me as the effective stack is still 50 bigs, and I would probably still 3-bet with the intention of folding to a 4-bet. However, if stacks were shorter, what would I need to consider? Well, I don't really feel like I'm 3-betting light here, so I'm never worried about getting quote-unquote caught with my hand in the cookie jar, but I want to think through what I would do in those spots if someone behind me woke up with something. If someone had 15 bigs and they shoved over my 7x 3-bet, this would mean the pot would be about 27 big blinds and, and, and I would have to call another 8. And I'd be fine with this. Although I would be putting in a total of 15 bigs for my 50 big blind stack, I think this is an acceptable play, although I don't love it. So if the players behind me have 15 bigs or fewer, I would plan to call them, assuming the initial raiser did not 5-bet. If they had more than 25 bigs, it's a pretty easy fold for me if I 3-bet and they jam. So the bigger consideration is if someone behind me is in the 15 to 25 big blind range. That is a trickier spot for me. Is it enough to make me change my action? Probably not. I think I still 3-bet and just hope that 20 big blind stack doesn't jam on me. And if they do and the initial raiser gets out of the way, then I have a tough decision, which are always going to be part of poker. While I know a tough decision could be in my future, I know they have to be pretty strong to 4-bet over the top of me, so the probability I will be facing it is pretty low, but I know going in that I may have to face it. So basically, in this particular place, I'm not really impacted by the chip stacks behind me as far as what I choose to do preflop. I just know that it could impact my reaction to a 4-bet. Potentially, I could, decide to re I could decide to resize my 3-bet smaller or bigger to either price myself in or out of a call if they 4-bet jam. But that's something that I think about right now and really haven't used much in the actual tournament settings. Now let's consider the initial player type going back to everyone having 50 big blinds. This is where I think I get confused on how to adjust. I'm hoping some wisdom is coming our way from other contributors to this episode. So for example, consider a more loose aggressive player. Now my understanding of that label is that they are loose which means they're going to open more pots with a wider range than tighter players would. And that they are aggressive means that they will play those hands in a more aggressive way throughout the hand. So, if I think they're loose aggressive, if I think they're loose, I think they're opening pots wider. So, if I think they are opening pots wider, should I not punish them for that by 3-betting them with king-queen suited, which has more equity against that wider range than a tighter range? Or should I just call them with a hand like king-queen suited because they will keep playing aggressively and I can use that against them if I hit? Because they are a leg, I'm a bit more nervous about 3-betting them because I don't know uh, what they're planning on doing. I mean, it seems like there's a greater likelihood that they would 4-bet with a wider range than a tighter player. And I don't really want to throw away king-queen suited against a player like this, but would probably have to against a 4-bet shove. So against a looser player or even a maniac, I would be more prone to just call here and try to outplay them post-flop or use their aggression against them. Now if the player type is super tight, super nitty as they say, I would also probably call in this spot, and this is because I'm sure I have a worse starting hand than they do. But I'm playing it for the implied odds, basically playing it like I would any other suited connector, like 9-8 suited or 7-6 suited, 
or small to medium pocket pairs like pocket fours or pocket eights against a nitty player. I want to hit the flop hard against someone with a great made hand in hopes they just can't get away from it and I end up stacking them. The nitty player is very unlikely to fold to a 3-bet anyway, so I'm just losing part of my implied odds by raising there. Why not try to play a smaller pot preflop in hopes I can either lose a small pot or win a big pot? So I guess what I'm saying is that my 3-bet might turn into a call against the tails of the distribution of player types, against super tight or super loose. And those that are not at the tails of the distribution would probably still face a 3-bet from me with the intention of folding to a 4-bet. Now let's consider the player types of those behind us. If I consider their situation, whether on the button or in the blinds, they are looking at a raise and a 3-bet before it gets to them. Only the most aggressive, maniacal players would 4-bet here without a hand that is ahead of king-queen suited. So I think I can safely 3-bet with the intention of folding to a 4-bet from any of my opponents. However, if I just call the initial raise, I do invite 3-bets by many aggressive players, not just the maniacs. This is such a great spot for someone to 3-bet to pick up the pot through a squeeze play. So if I am facing really aggressive players, keeping my action as a 3-bet discourages them from the squeeze play. And keeping my action to a 3-bet also discourages the nittier players and all good aggressive players from also calling and making the pot a multi-way pot. I want to discourage the maniacs from being maniacs, and I want to affirm to the tighter players that their hand is not good enough to play this time. I want to take down the pot right there, which is a good result, or at minimum try to isolate the initial raiser in position. As I mentioned, I'm willing to fold to a significant 4-bet from any of my opponents, regardless of position and player type, so in this particular case, the types of players behind me does not change my decision to 3-bet. As far as other factors that might change my action, my table image. If I've been 3-betting a lot due to strong hands or opportunities, or if for any other reason the table thinks I'm super loose, uh, perhaps I had a very loose showdown winner, I may choose to just call here because I don't want to induce a 4-bet because of my table image. In this spot, I can call the raise and then consider calling someone else's 3-bet depending on that player type, uh, the reaction by the initial raiser, the chip stacks, and all of those things. I think it's important to always consider what the table thinks of you and how they might be reacting to it. Another factor is tournament situation. In the above example, we considered everyone has 50 big blinds and no indication that we were deep in the tournament or any kind of bubble. While I generally play to win, there are situations where I do change my action because of the overarching tournament situation. I may just call or even fold if we are on some kind of a bubble a money bubble or a final table bubble where I need player of the week points, uh, or on a day two bubble, some of those situations. Now while these are great opportunities to chip up and I love doing that, they will bias me toward more conservative action in some situations with this being probably one of them. And another factor is uh, any level of tilt by the initial raiser. If the person that opened this pot is on tilt for some reason, I'm much more inclined to just call behind. Part of this is that their frustration or whatever is happening could lead them to just 4-bet shove their marginal hand, which would leave me in a tricky spot. I would normally 3-bet full, but what if I think they may be shoving light, even with stuff like King Jack or Queen 10 or Pocket 4s? I may have to fold, but it's more likely I'm folding the best hand if I think they're on tilt. Also, just calling behind gives them the opportunity to continue betting their frustration into me when I have hit the flop hard. 
and it increases the likelihood that I get their entire stack. By calling, I may be inviting the button and the blinds to get involved, and I may reduce the probability of winning the pot, but what I have done is increase the expected size of the pot if I do win. This is sort of a mathematical concept of conditional probability. So the probability of winning the pot is less, but the expected value of the size of the pot, if I win, conditional upon if I win, is significantly higher. And since the overall expected value of the play is the combination of the size of the pot and the probability of winning, I would argue that the overall expected value of the decision is higher when we choose to just call, thereby reducing our probability of winning. Yes, I am a nerd. All right, so that's that's good enough for my thoughts. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, thanks for bearing with me. It's kind of fun to, to hash through those. Now let's hear from our other recreational players, Taylor Moss, Doug Behrens, and Derek Smith. And then after that, we'll hear from our experts. Greetings, Rec Poker listeners. This is Taylor Moss. This week, we're talking about a pre-flop decision where we're at a 10-handed table and everyone is 50 big blinds deep. So in this hand situation, we have a player that is under the gun plus two, raising to 1,600 when the blinds are 300, 600, and everyone has 30,000 in chips. We're in the cutoff and we have the king, queen of hearts. Um, I think this is definitely a good hand for us and uh, folding should be out of the option at this point. And under these specific situations, my standard play here is going to be to call. Uh, King-Queen is not at the top of a range nor at the bottom of our calling range. Uh, typically the bottom of my calling range is when I in, uh, include a 3-bet bluff. Uh, I think this hand is too good to be used as a bluff if we 3-bet and also not good enough if we 3-bet and get called uh, to be playing post-flop. So this is a hand that I'm most likely going to be calling. Uh, what other actions could happen to make us change this? And I believe if we have less chips, uh, say we're only 20 big blinds deep, between 15 and 20, then I'm going to be looking to re-raise all in. Uh, it's going to be a hand that's good enough to play, and if we can realize some of our fold equity with this, uh, being you know 15 to 20 big blinds deep, that's probably the best course of action. Um, if our opponent has uh, less chips, even in the 15 to 20 big blind range, then I might 3-bet uh, to try and thin the field and get that original raiser to go all in. Uh, so essentially the same thing as if we were 15 to big blinds deep, but try and get all the chips in at this point uh, when we should have a decent amount of equity. Um, the other thing that I haven't talked about that is worth considering is the players behind us. Um, so in my standard uh, decision, I'm going to be calling with King Queen of Hearts here. Uh, but if that player to our immediate left, the button, has been very aggressive, uh, taking opportunities to 3-bet us and put us in awkward spots, uh, I might actually raise here instead of just calling. Uh, because if we call, it makes our hand look a little bit weaker and more susceptible to a 3-bet. Uh, but if we do the 3-betting ourselves, we can kind of fold out that part of our villain's range 
on the button if they're aggressive uh, to keep them from applying aggression towards us. Uh, so it seems counterintuitive that, that if someone is playing back at us, uh, we want to put in more chips. Uh, but I hate I would hate to call here and then get three bet off of this hand if we know our opponent is uh, very capable of making that play. Uh, the other thing is to realize how often those blinds have been playing hands because if we're calling this $1,600 or 1600 chip bet, it makes it much more uh, likely that either the blinds are going to call and we're going to go either three or four ways to this flop. And then we're really looking to hit it better than top pair. We're looking for a two pair a straight draw or a flush draw then. Uh, so although we're concerned about the under the gun plus two, we should still be considering what those blinds uh, have been doing recently and also how likely that button is to raise us. Uh, so again, a very theoretical situation here. Uh, talking about pre-flop decisions. Uh, in short, don't fold king, queen of hearts here. That is way too tight. Um, and you might not want to go too aggressive with this hand because this does have reverse implied odds where if we hit a king or a queen, uh, we could easily be up against ace, king, ace, queen and lose our whole stack when we didn't need to. So I'm always on the side of being the aggressive player, but here is a situation where I think we might want to take a slightly less aggressive approach. Until next week. Uh, this is Doug Behrens uh, responding to uh, Steve's uh, January 13th hand, the King Queen of Hearts. Uh, my normal action would be to uh, uh, three bet raise here in the 35 to 4,000 range. Um, and uh, I would change that based on some of these other questions. So how else would the initials Razor stack change that? If he's very small, I'm fearful that he wants to go all in. Um, I like king-queen suited, but I don't necessarily want to call his all in, depending on his stack size, and I don't want to be all in myself necessarily with that. So I might limp in to see what the action is behind me if he has a very small stack. If he has a large stack, I just raise normally. How would my stack have to change? Well, if I'm small, again, I don't want to be all in necessarily. Um, so I, I'm more likely to limp uh, than to raise here. And if I'm fearful of uh, re-raises behind me, I'm going to just fold. Um, the stack size behind uh, also affect... Um, you know, if they're reasonably large, uh, I'm going to play normally, re-raising into this thing. Um, if uh, somebody has a real small stack behind me, um, depending on player types and other things, I might limp in to let action happen behind me. Um, you know, how would uh, the player type of the initial player change? Well, if he's loose aggressive, I'm always three-betting here. Um, yeah, and I'm not going to too much worry that I'm behind or something there. So I'm, I think I'm probably ahead most of the time. Um, so how would the, you know, if he has a real large stack of play normal, the, or if he's tight aggressive, um, I still will come into that hand. Um, how will the player types behind me uh, go? Well, you know, we play a lot of tables where they're tight aggressive players. 
if I got a real loose aggressive player behind me, I'm more likely to come in small uh, and let them get their re-raise in if that's what they want to do um, as a, partly a trapping move. But if king queen suited, you know, can flop exceptionally well. Um, and um, I don't want to come in small enough that somebody jams and I have to fold away, but I don't mind a four bet uh, or even, you know, a, you know, a significant raise in this situation. Depends. We, we still have to see what the original opener is going to do. So that was my quick comments. Of course, I'm listening to this to try to hear from the best of you guys. So give me some good ideas. Hey, this is Derek Smith for the Rec Poker Podcast. So there's an under-the-gun plus two raise to about 2.5x, 1,600 at 300, 600 blinds. We've got 50 bigs, 30,000 in chips. We're in the cutoff. It folds to us, and we got king, queen of hearts. So it's on us. We need to decide, do we fold, do we call, do we three-bet? So let's take a look at the thought process here for what's a pretty typical situation. Our options include folding, but at this stack size, although I'll respect an early position raise and assume it's weighted to the heavier end of a player's opening range, because of my relative position and hand strength, I'm not folding here. I will continue, so. Next option is, should we three bet? And I think there's a lot of merits to three betting. Here's some of the things I'd consider for. If we three bet, either small or big, there's a lot of positives. We have an opportunity to scoop 3,500 chips when the button, both blinds, and the initial razor fold. And if the button folds and either the blinds or the original razor call, we've got initiative and position going to the flop. And if the button calls and then anybody else calls, we'll get to see the flop as the aggressor and we'll be in position on all but one player. And if only the button calls, though we're out of position, we do get to see the flop as the aggressor and can reevaluate. So the positives to three betting do look good. And I think a lot of people will see those positives and just take this course of action. But I think you do need to consider a lot of other factors first, specifically what type of three bet should we make here and what will the reaction to our action be if our opponents don't just muck. So if we three bet light, say to like 3,500, the pot will be 7K. We are setting up a couple possible negative dynamics, such as the button could perceive our light three bet as weak and squeeze. And assuming the blinds fold, and if under the gun plus two was opening somewhat light and they fold, now we're stuck deciding what to do. Do we call and continue in a bloated pot out of position with just a moderately solid holding? If under the gun plus two does call, now we're kind of forced to call. Pot odds dictate that we should, but now we're playing with an aggressor behind us and we might very easily have the third best hand. And if under the gun plus two five bets, we have no way to continue and relinquish our equity. And if we three bet on the heavier side, say maybe something like 4,800, we kind of create the same negative dynamics. The button could perceive our large three bet as a steal attempt, because it is, and four bet us. And if everybody else folds, again, are we going to play a bloated pot out of position? If under the gun plus two calls again, now we have to dump even more money in probably with what could be the third best hand and last. If under the, under the gun plus two five bets again here, we just have to fold and relinquish our equity. So I don't love three betting. There's one other course of action we should consider for, and that's if we three bet on the heavier side, say to 4,800, and the button does four bet and everybody else folds, we could five bet. Now we absolutely have to be certain that the button is capable of a four bet resteal light here to make this play. And I know this option does sound kind of exciting, and on paper, in a vacuum, it probably 
does make some sense, but we just have to be so, so good that our read is right and that the villain is both capable of and in, in this instance is actually for bet Reed stealing light that I think you have to chalk this up to fancy play syndrome. To me, it just feels like we're getting a little bit too creative, particularly at this stage of the tournament where we have 50 big blinds still. And aside from that, if we look at the numbers, we have a weird stack to pot ratio and are in a bit of a no man's land if we do five bet. Here, look at the numbers. If the original raiser opens to 1600, so the pot's 3500, and we three bet to 4800, so the pot's 8300, and villain four bets to something like, let's say 11,000. Let's say there's roughly 19K out there and we have roughly 25K effective. I don't really see any kind of five bet size here besides going all in and jamming 25K to 19K at this stage of the tournament. It just feels like a little bit overkill, just getting a little bit too creative. So for all of those reasons, I would elect to call here. Certainly the button might make some uh, some steal attempts of their own or the, the blinds might get a little active here. But if we just call, we certainly have an opportunity to see what the, the four remain, remaining players do and we can reevaluate from there. If the button does go for a steal and anybody else calls, we probably have pot odds to see a flop. Um, there's just a lot of positives I think in this instance I'd lean towards calling. Uh, the second part of the question was how would the stack size of the initial raiser have to change for us to change our action? Well, I said I'd still lean to call, even if they had significantly more. They'd have to be sitting on something much smaller, a stack of something like maybe five bigs, five to ten, before I try to inju induce a jam or just put them all in. And even then, I'm not really looking to do that with king-queen suited. So I'd still lean towards a call. Um, holding all else equal, how would our stack size have to change for us to change action? I guess I'd be more apt to 3-bet if all the others at the table had 50 bigs, and we have something much more significant like 100 to 150 bigs. With that dynamic, I'd be much less concerned with the button looking to re-steal. I wouldn't mind 3-betting to put pressure on the original Razor. I'd potentially be looking to jam if I held something like 10 big blinds, and I'd be fine with getting king-queen suited in, in that situation. But I'd also often expect to have the worst of it if anyone calls, any pair, any ace. But with 10 bigs and only needing to get a jam by three players, and potentially the original Razor, or just taking the pot down, or getting looked up by one to two players, I'd be okay with that, with this holding and being so short in comparison to the rest of the players and the rest of the field. So. The fourth question was, how would the stack sizes of those behind us have to change for us to change our action? Well, if the button has a significant chip lead, I'd be much more inclined to avoid the 3-bet altogether if they've been abusive in particular. I may even just fold king-queen here because we're setting up a great squeeze or re-steal by calling our 3-betting. If the button is very short, say like 10 big blinds, I'd be way more apt to consider a hefty 3-bet, essentially forcing them to have to wake up with a great holding to jam over our raise over a raise and a re-raise. I'm really not sure what impact the blinds would have on my decision unless their stacks were extremes, either really short or really large. I guess I'd probably likely treat them the same as the button, but again, only if the button was in the same situation, i.e. the button and the big blind both have roughly 10 bigs. If any combo of the button and the blinds have huge stacks, I'd likely call with the intention of folding to a big three bet squeeze. Fifth question was, how would the player type of the initial raiser have to change for us to change our action. Well, if the original Razor is a complete and total rock, I'd be very glad just calling and would assume the other players left act would recognize how tight uh, the original Razor is and would either fold or call two. I don't mind seeing a flop three-handed or however many against a total rock with a hand like King-Queen suited that can flop huge. 
or flop terribly. And then we could either get away easy or potentially stack what could be a big pair that the original Razor is holding. If the under the gun plus two player is really loose, I would think a three bet would be better, but we still have to keep in mind how this will impact what the button and the blinds do. The sixth question was how would the player type uh, have to change for us to change our action? Well, if the button and the blinds are relatively tight, I'd be much more inclined to three bet here. My main concern with trying to either steal or take the initiative is the great situation that we're setting up for the button and possibly the blinds. But if they're super tight and unimaginative, I'd be glad to bet here. If they're really loose and creative, I'm still leaning towards a call so we can reevaluate reevaluate what to do based on the ensuing action. And then the last question was, what other factors would drive us to potentially change our action? Well, for me, if the stage of the tournament was different, if we were much deeper or near a bubble or in the money, that could affect the decision. I'd also pay attention to what changes could be expected out of my opponents if this was like a satellite versus a $30 daily versus an MSPT event. Um, all of those things would kind of affect what I would do too. And then last, basically what's at stake would be really important to me and the perceived ability of my opponents. Uh, these things would greatly impact my decision-making and actions. So in this situation with king-queen suited, here in the cutoff, I think uh, my gut feel is to call and reevaluate and just kind of take into consideration all the scenarios that uh, could potentially arise if we do three bet, whether it's light or, or if we three bet large. Um, thanks a lot. Okay, let's take a quick break here to thank our official sponsor once again, Running Aces. And then we'll be back with thoughts from our experts. And this week, we have input from Jonathan Little of PokerCoaching.com and Chris Fox Wallace of the Next Level Poker Tour. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. Hello, this is Jonathan Little for PokerCoaching.com, and today the hand has us at a 10-handed table early in a tournament. Blinds are 300-600 with a 100 ante, which, you know, makes me wonder how early it is because a lot of tournaments start at 25-50 or 50-100 or something like that, although as tournaments have started giving more chips, they've effectively kept the structures exactly the same or worse by making the blinds start off much bigger. So anyway, 300-600 with 100 ante. Everyone has 50 big blinds. Um, every player is standard, tight, and aggressive. So um, this may be a hypothetical situation, but at the same time, very rarely is everyone in any tournament going to be standard, tight, aggressive. Quite often everyone will be unknown, but usually everybody won't be very pigeonholed into exactly standard, tight, aggressive. Anyway, false player under the gun plus two makes it 1,600. Folds to us in the cutoff with King, Queen of Hearts. So, what is my typical course of action under the base assumption that the, the opponent is a standard tight aggressive player? Well, I'm going to call virtually every time. King, Queen of Hearts, and all of the good, big suited hands, maybe not King 10 suited or Queen 10 suited, um, those hands flop reasonably well and you're in position. So I'm just going to call. If this hand was offsuit, I would consider three betting. King Queen's one of the hands that sometimes fits in the calling range and sometimes fits in the three bet bluffing range, depending on how you want to structure it. Also, very often the player in the big blind is quite relevant. If the player in the big blind is quite bad, I'm going to be way more inclined to call. But if the player in the big blind is good, 
I'm going to be more inclined to three bet as a bluff if it's king queen offsuit. But king queen suited is one of the hands that I'm almost always calling with. The same thing goes with ace jack suited and queen jack suited. Those hands are basically always getting called for me. Um, holding all else equal, how would the stack size of the initial raiser change our decision? Well, as he gets deeper, I'm still just calling. The only time I would consider doing anything different is if he gets shallower. And this is tough because in my mind, like standard tight aggressive doesn't mean the player's opening only with like the top 6% of hands and then going all in with all of it, right? It means someone's opening, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15% of hands. And I don't really know how often they're going with stuff like A-Strack suited if I 3-bet or jam. But if I had a stack of about 18 big blinds or less, I would probably go all in. Even then, though, I don't despise calling just because the hand flops so well and you're in position. It's okay to call pre-flop and see the flop in position with a great hand. Um, how would our stack size change things? I, I think our stack size and our opponent's stack size are the same thing. You're usually playing the effective stack, right? Um, like if our opponent has 5 million chips and we have three big blinds, you know, let's say he has 5,000 5, big blinds and we have three big blinds, well, he's basically playing a three big blind stack, assuming everyone else has the effective stack. So our, our stack should not really change the situation as opposed to our opponent's stack, especially given it's early in the tournament and there are no payout implications at all. Um, how do the stack sizes of players yet to act change our action? When they are going to be inclined to jam, I'm going to be more inclined to fold, but with king-queen suited, I'm just basically always calling. Because imagine you call here for 2.5 big blinds, and then button goes all in for 18 big blinds, and say the initial raiser folds, and when it's back on you, you can often just make a sort of crying call-off based on your pot odds. And the fact that your hand is very great. So I don't think they even really matter that much. <laughs> this king-queen of hearts is just a really, really good hand to call. Um, okay, how would the player type of the initial raiser change our action? Again, it really wouldn't. Just because the initial raiser is raising from early position, and therefore he has to be at least somewhat reasonable. And you really don't want to be three-betting a hand like king-queen of hearts with the idea of folding it to a shove. Um, you'd much rather do that with some of your bluff hands, right? The main time you want to be 3-betting with a linear range, which is just your best hands, is when your opponent's going to call with all sorts of dominated stuff and only jam with better stuff. So if you knew your opponent was opening with a decently wide range, including stuff like King-10 offsuit, and would call a 3-bet with King-10 offsuit, then maybe it makes sense to start 3-betting King-Queen suited. But even then, I'm still just going to call in position. Um, how the player types yet to act change our action? Um... They, they, again, they, they really wouldn't. The main time, like I mentioned before, is if our hand was a little bit weaker, I may be inclined to 3-bet or call based on the players yet to act. If the players yet to act are really bad, you want to keep them in the pot. If they're really good, you don't want them in the pot. So 3-betting gets them out of the pot. And um, what other factors could drive us to change our action? <laughs> it's pretty hard for me not to call with a king-queen suited. That's what it amounts to. King-queen suited is... A hand that flops really well. If you 3-bet and get jammed on, you're not loving it, so you don't really want to 3-bet. And um, that's it. I mean, the, the, I guess the only time you could justify folding is if you start to get somewhat shallow and the initial raiser is very tight and will go with go all in with this whole tight range or most of its tight range. Um, so that does come up, but that situation is very different than 50 big blinds deep, right? So, uh, yeah, that's it. Call king-queen suited. It's a great hand. Fox here from Next Level Poker. I think this is, the question is clearly designed to give us a tough spot, but it's not that tough a spot for me. I, I don't think you lose a lot of value if you either call or raise, but um, it's very dependent on how skilled you are. Uh, 
and I also think that given the amount of the how much variance hurts us in tournaments, how likely we are to be dominated against an early position raiser who's a standard tag. Um, I don't think you're going to be dominating him very much. You're not going to see a lot of queen jacks and king jacks in his range. So I tend to throw away the king queen of hearts in this spot. But sometimes I would three bet it. Sometimes I would call with it. It really depends on what you think about your opponent. And in this spot, we only have your players, your opponent is a standard tight aggressive player, and that doesn't that doesn't tell me that much. I believe I can outplay the standard tight aggressive player. I'm certain of it. But how much can I outplay them by? And how much does position matter in this case? Because I'm going into it with a hand that's probably a dog against his range. Um, and And that's... You know, we have to overcome that with skill and with position. Um, and it's hard to say whether you actually are going to overcome that. There's also the parts of the question about which what stack sizes you need to change your mind and all those things. Um, honestly, there's no stack size until you get to about four or five big blinds that would change my mind very drastically on this. I mean, with 500 big blinds, do I am I more excited about it? Not really. If he's a standard tag, he's not going to pay me off. I mean, maybe a little bit, but you know, if we assume a standard tag's opening range to be something like ace-10 offsuit, king-queen offsuit, um, king-queen suited, down to a pair of sevens, ace-eight suited, and ace-10 offsuit... Um, you know, that's maybe even a, that, that's probably about right for your standard tag. Maybe add a pair of sixes and fives in there. Some people can't fold any pairs, but a standard tag can fold a small pair under the gun sometimes. So maybe I'll add fours and I'll leave out the threes and the deuces. All right. So we've got fours plus ace eight suited plus king queen and ace 10 offsuit plus. <clears throat> and then if I run king queen suited against that range... It's not going to be in that bad of shape, but it's going to be a dog. Let's see. We're a 59-41 dog. To go in as a 59-41 underdog, where in many of those cases I'm dominated, and it's actually worse than it looks, um, there are very few spots where I'm going to win a big pot as opposed to when my opponent's going to win a bigger pot. You know, If I flop a pair, all of his range is either tied or ahead of me if he has hit the flop at all. And if I don't flop a pair, all of his range is ahead of me. So I really have to outflop him, and he has to know it. Um, you know, it has to be a, you know, for us to both have pairs, it has to be like a queen nine four board when he has ace nine suited. And I'm not going to win a huge pot in that spot. Whereas when it's a queen nine four board and he has a pair of fours, I'm going to lose a bigger pot than he would have won. You know, than he would have lost in the in the previous case. So. I think given that we're that much of a dog against his range, it's just really not worth it to play this hand. But if he, but if I know something about my opponent, if I've got some physical reads on them, if I know anything about them that I think I can abuse, or I know weaknesses in their game, or I know what exactly their range is, and how they're going to handle different things I do, you know, then I then I can attack this player. But it has very little to do with my hand in that case. I think we're overly focused on hands and not focused enough on players and 
knowing how to attack our opponents. Um, so neither stack size significantly changes the action unless one of the stacks is down below five big blinds, and then I just get it in. Um, stacks behind us doesn't matter. The player type does matter a lot. Um, if the player is um, loose aggressive, I might 3-bet. If the player is uh, weak tight, I will fold. I, I'm i not going to win a big pot from a weak tight player with king-queen, and he's, very, he's even more likely to have me dominated. Um, it's possible I can steal the pot from him later, but I don't think that's the right spot for it. Um, I've, I have to worry about players behind me three betting if i just flat a weak type player somebody behind me is likely to three bet if we're you know actually playing with solid players um player types behind us don't change the action significantly because a fold is a fold um other factors that would drive us to change the action though uh looking for a weak opponent or opponent that you know some things about is a big help and then thinking about all the different, like, how close are we to the bubble? What do our opponents think of us? Will building up a stack do me more good in this tournament than it would in other tournaments or at this table than it would at other tables? All those kinds of things. Um, lots of things to think about that might potentially change the action. And you could make a case in this hand for flatting and trying to outplay someone using position. You could make a hand for, th you could make a case for three betting. You're really three bet folding because if you get four bet, you're just crushed by the range. Um, but you could three bet fold with this many big blinds. You know, you're still above that kind of 25 big blind threshold where you don't want a three bet fold. Um, 50 big blinds is reasonable for that play. But in general, I think a fold is fine in a tournament. And maybe in the very first few rounds of a rebuy, I would play it. Or again, but otherwise, against a solid ta a solid tag, I don't not really excited about playing king queen suited. Okay, guys, so that's it for today. Thanks so much for, uh, for listening. Uh, make sure you tell your friends, tell your, uh, tell your fellow poker players. Uh, we'd love to get as many people listening to this as possible. Uh, we are excited about the, about the momentum, but uh, we'd love for that to continue. So remember, subscribe to the podcast, rate it, leave a comment. Uh, if you have other feedback or topic suggestions or hand situations on Facebook, Twitter, or email, feel free. Please get those to me. I would love to hear that. And if you are a Minnesota fan, man, skull. Let's go. Uh, if you're an Eagles fan, uh, you're okay. But just know that uh, all of us here in Minnesota are, are rooting for a, uh, a Viking victory. Uh, Keenum against Nick Foles. So let's go, Vikes. And we will chat with you next week. Thanks. Thanks.